0: We're talking today about calling and gifts, and often this can be a challenging conversation because we come at this question with a lot of uh, a lot of assumptions and and cultural uh, uh, shaping of our hearts and of our minds. I, I'll start today by telling you that. Um, After I graduated from college, I got a job working at Augsburg Publishing House in Los Angeles as the director of audiovisual for the West Coast. It was a great combination of the work that I had done working in the media center starting my senior year of high school and all the way through college, and also putting to work my degree in Christian education that I earned from Azusa Pacific University. My intent was to be a volunteer youth director because I felt like I owed my life to the volunteers that worked in the youth ministry program that God had so blessed me for. And so I was trying to figure out what else I might do with my life at the time, and I had actually uh, had applied and was going through some testing, physical agility tests and so forth for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. About this time, I had met Marilyn, who had come to work at Augsburg temporarily, and her brother had just graduated from seminary and was on his way to be a missionary in Cameroon, and he said to me these words, you can go to seminary and not be a pastor when you're done. I loved that idea. I love the idea of studying scripture and theology. I love the idea of being able to work with youth and be be really well trained. And I love the idea that I didn't have to be a pastor when it was done because I just didn't think I had it in me. The truth of the matter is, is that I had already been told by several people close to me that I should go to seminary and that I should be a pastor. But I thought they were just dead wrong. You don't know me. As we journey through this morning, uh, I'm going to say something to you that you might have a hard time believing at first, and this is it. You are gifted by God. The, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So in the scripture, in the Old Testament today, we, we've been reading through uh, the, the judges. It's been rough. Judges is rough because there's a lot of blood and gore and a lot of stupidity on the part of Israel that goes on in Judges. There are several cycles of the same thing happening. God blesses them and provides them a leader and things go well and then they decide that they can live life their own way and do their own thing and life goes poorly And then they cry out to God and God raises up a new judge and and frees them from whatever uh, oppression they've been put in. And the same cycle happens again and again. And you think to yourself, why don't these people ever learn? And then you look in the mirror and remember that sometimes we don't learn either. And at this point in time, God does what what most of us would consider to be a fairly unusual thing in that time and in that place. He raises up Deborah, yes, a woman, to lead Israel. Now, in the history of the church, there's been some debates about women in leadership, and I look to Deborah and I go, "Well, God didn't seem to be debating much when he raised up Deborah, and he actually uses Deborah. Deborah is a prophet." And a prophet is someone who speaks for God. And so Deborah, as a prophet, speaks for God to the military leader and says, essentially, God said, go take on this army. And the military leader's going, uh, maybe not. And the hint is in the word chariots. You see, the army that Deborah is speaking for God to tell the people of Israel to go up against is tough. And they are well armed. And the military leader goes, "Uh, I don't know about this. And then he says something very odd, as if he's forgotten who he's talking to. He says to Deborah, if you go, I'll go. But if you don't go, I'm not going. Apparently he forgot that Deborah was speaking for God. And what he really ought to have said, if God goes with me, I will go not if you go with me. And then there's the word from Deborah that says, well, I'll go. I don't mind going to watch God annihilate the enemy. But because of your course of action, the credit's not going to go to you. They're going to say, God delivered them into the hands of a woman. And then there's another great verse toward the end of that in Judges 5.31. It says this, Then the Lord had peace with Israel for 40 years so while we may have trouble with who leaders are God calls who God will and uses whom God chooses to use and our question is how's he going to choose you because we wonder about this thing called calling calling When I was serving as a pastor in Tucson, one of the amazing privileges I had was to work with pastors of other churches, even non-Lutheran churches. And uh, one of the people who became a great friend of mine, he had actually gone to the University of Arizona on a basketball scholarship. This is how tall he was. Uh, His name was Warren Anderson, or I should say his name was Apostle Warren Anderson, and he was a leader in the African-American com- community. And when I first met him, I kind of thought to myself, apostle. You know, most of us have a hard time maybe even accepting the idea that we're disciples. But when it comes to the word apostle, we're thinking about the, the, the 11 plus 1, right? Throw, throw Judas Iscariot out, throw in Matthias, and we got 12 apostles. But in fact, the word apostle means one sent and so I tried to figure out how in their denomination in their group of churches Warren Anderson got the title apostle and I found out that in their in their area a pastor was a leader of their church community but an apostle was expected to have influence in several churches As they led one church, they were expected to kind of lead and and coach and care for pastors in other churches. Warren Anderson was an apostle, and he was a blessing to me over and over again. Now, what would you say if I said to you, you are an apostle? Let me try another word that might be a little easier for you to swallow as we have this debate going on inside your head as you listen. How about the word ambassador? Is that an easier word? That you are sent as an ambassador for Christ to represent Christ and the gospel to the world. Now, I say that knowing that, that often there are many people sitting in the pews where I preach saying, I don't know what you're talking about, but it isn't me. You may be talking to the council members, but you're not talking uh, to me. When you question your calling, I want to encourage you, instead of looking in the mirror and remembering your own shortcomings, instead of looking in the mirror and remembering the mistakes you've made in the past, instead of looking at yourself, look at the one who's calling you. At the end of my seminary experience, I was told that I had to go spend half a day in solitude with no distractions except my Bible. And foolishly, I did that at a lake in Minnesota in October. It was cold. But it was in that moment around that lake that I heard God call me to pastoral ministry. And he said, you do it, and I'll take care of you. I knew I didn't have what it takes. I know Anna Marie doesn't have what it takes. I know Scott doesn't have what it takes. Because none of us do. Because it isn't about what we bring to the table. It's what God brings to the table through us. The the confidence to, to be able to say yes was a confidence in the strength and power and promise of God, certainly not in my abilities. When I was asked to consider coming to St. Timothy's, there were several elements that were intriguing. Uh, One of them was in the description of the congregation. It described what happened in St. Timothy's in 2010 when pastor selbo uh, decided to shift from a programmatic model to a discipleship model and i was extremely excited about that you see god doesn't call the equipped he equips the called Here's another shocker for you, and Anna Marie, please don't get too discouraged as you work on your seminary studies, but when I graduated from seminary, I was not equipped. When I arrived at St. Timothy's, I was not equipped because what God does for us is he equips us each day for what the day brings. He uses those who are willing to serve, willing to allow him to work through them. And I'm not saying Anna Marie has no skills. And I'm not saying I have no skills. I'm saying the skills we need, the skills we trust in, are the ones that God provides, and he provides it not just to us, but to you as well. Each one, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. Does that include you? Are you in each? Yes. Absolutely. There's a couple of things that we really need to look at in that incredible verse. And by the way, that verse has been on my heart for years and years and years. The first truth about that is that you are gifted by God. I want you to say this in your head. I am gifted by God. Amen. Say it in your head. I am gifted by God. Amen. Now, some of you are saying, I'm not saying that. I don't believe it. I'm not saying it. And what I want to tell you is is you're not arguing with me. The Bible says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. You are gifted by God. Believe it. Discover it. And recognize that it also has a purpose. The purpose is the common good. And what that means is that St. Timothy's isn't going to accomplish much of anything because of its pastor. It's going to accomplish great things because of its God and how that God works through his people to do that which God regularly and daily equips us to do. It's hard to discover what it is that our gifts are. But in case you need another verse to help you believe this, for those of you that are still debating in your mind, telling me, "Uh uh-uh, Pastor, not me. I don't have a gift. Verse Corinthians 7, 7 says it this way. Each of you has your own gift from God. That's for those who had a hard time making sense of manifestation of the Spirit. Each of you has your own gift from god so how do we know what that gift is how do we discover how we're gifted and what I want to say to you is, is one of the important dimensions of discipleship. And by the way, back in 2010 when St. Timothy's launched this thing with, with Pastor Dan's leadership, uh, you actually turned to a group called 3DM. And 3DM used this, this sort of huddle system and some of you loved it. And some of you were richly blessed by it. But for some reason, after a few years, you also kind of decided that maybe we need to shift a little bit. And, and that shift was into grow groups. And, and now we're, we're kind of asking, well, well, what's next? And what I want to tell you is one of the reasons I was so interested in that is because I had studied 3DM. I had gone to several workshops on 3DM. In fact, I had been coached in a huddle For six months by a 3DM leader to learn about this concept of discipleship. And one of the things that comes back to you again and again as it relates to a disciple is first and foremost, you are one, believers. And not only are a disciple, you are sent as an ambassador for Christ in the world. The gift God gives you is so that you can be a blessing to others. And the way you discover that is often in the mouths and in the eyes of another when they look at you and say, I see God in you. When they look at you and thank you for how you've been uh, uh, exercising that gift, their their gratitude, the blessing that you've been in their lives. This afternoon we're meeting with the confirmants at Deeper and I'm going to be explaining to them their confirmation project. Now, how many of you love our confirmands? Love our confirmands. Do you love our confirmands? Because some of your hands aren't up, and I'm going like, what's the matter with you? Love our confirmands, would you? (laughs) And so I want to suggest even now that as our confirmands are told about a confirmation project that they're required to do in order to be confirmed, that maybe you too will do a confirmation project. Because this is the project. Figure out what you love to do. Do it in a way that blesses someone else. And then tell someone about it. Figure out what you love to do. Do it in a way that blesses someone else. Experience the joy of being a blessing. Experience the wonder of God working through you to bless another. And then tell someone about it. Let people see God in you. That's the way we grow the community of faith. That's the way we encourage the gifts of God and the people of God to be used by God as a witness for God both inside and outside the church. That's how we intend to continue to grow the discipleship mentality of St. Timothy's by recognizing the gifts of God in one another and giving them opportunity to use those gifts over and over and over again to watch the power of God at work in the lives of His people. What does God want you to do? That's the hard part. But you'll hear it in the Scripture. You'll hear it In prayer, you'll hear it echoed in the voices of your fellow disciples, your fellow apostles. As God says, you're the one I have a job for you to do. And I don't know what that is specifically, but I know this. It's to bless other people when the disciples of Jesus, those 12, wanted to be great, Jesus calls them together and he says, You know how the Gentile leaders lorded over them. Not so with you. These gifts, these abilities aren't to make you superior. Rather, we have in the example of Jesus himself... Who said to us, even, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There is no higher calling than to be used as a conduit of God's love to bless the world. It is awesome and difficult but absolutely wonderful brothers and sisters in christ you are blessed for the common good you are blessed to be a blessing think about what are the blessings you have think about what are the things you love to do what are the passions god has put in your heart what are the experiences and ways god has moved to make you able to do things that if you can't see it Talk to your friends. Ask them where they see God in you so that you can discover how you can serve God by being a blessing to others in his strength. Discover your place in God's story. And then don't just grind it out. Celebrate it. One of the things I love about the season of Lent is that supposedly there's 40 days of Lent. And if you count the days, you discover there are more than 40 days in Lent. So what's the deal? And the deal is, you don't count Sunday. If you count from Ash Wednesday to Monday, Thursday, skipping Sundays, you get 40 days. You want to know why? Because we need a day to celebrate the resurrection. We need a day to celebrate the goodness of God as we struggle with the things that come in life. As my wife says, celebrate the good stuff. You will discover that as you experience the power of God working through you to bless others. And another thing you'll discover is that he loves you and he gifts you and you're important to him and that you're a part of this community of faith, and everything good it stands for comes through the power of God, through the people of God, to the glory of God in the world. Amen.